Hey, welcome back to Gospel Life 360. My name is Brother Jeff. Gospel Life 360 is where the gospel is the center of every discussion we have. Gospel Life 360 is about a living and transforming life of following after Jesus Christ. It's about discovering who Jesus is in every moment and circumstance of our life. Again, welcome back to the journey. Thanks for joining with us again today. We started out several weeks ago uh, discussing the fact of Revelation and the seven letters written to the churches and how the last church age that Jesus spoke about was the church of Laodicea. And he said about them that they were lukewarm. There was nothing good he had to say about them. They were just lukewarm, not cold, not hot. And he said he wanted to spit them out of his mouth. And so God is basically saying that the church that's going to be in existence before he comes back is this kind of church. Now, we may not agree with that. We may try to justify ourselves pretty quickly. But without getting to a big argument or discussion about that, let's just say God knows what he's talking about. And so if he's saying that, should we not at least examine ourselves and examine ourselves personally and examine ourselves corporately as a church to ask the question to, to find that out? And what we've been doing the last several weeks is going through the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, uh, discussing some of the things that Jesus said in order to be his follower and how to live that blessed, happy, uh, full life that he's called us to. And we use this as a measuring tool to find out whether or not our lives are in line with what he's saying here. And it's also, if we are living that way, it's a way of just kind of keeping us on the right path and keeping us from drifting back into that casual Christianity. And the first week we talked about the fact of being being humble. The very foundation of, of who we are and what God's called us to is to walk in humility. Uh, if we don't desire to walk in humility, uh, then what happens is everything else we talk about from this point on uh, in Matthew 5 is really, uh, it means nothing because it's based upon the fact of us walking in a humble state uh, with follow, following Christ. And then he talked about mourning, mourning over our sin, not just being casual in our confession, saying, God, just forgive me, but realizing that God desires to to allow us to walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. And he reveals sometimes those sins in our life and for us to really see the sin as he sees it, really to be honest about it. Because if we just say, Lord, Lord, forgive me, without dealing with the heart behind why we did what we did, we're usually going to repeat ourselves over and over again. Then he talked about being gentle of spirit. Uh, gentle of spirit does not mean passivity. It means basically walking in the spirit, walking with a gentle spirit, with a confidence of who we are, not based upon our own ability, but upon the power and presence of Christ within us. And then we talked about hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Uh, there has to be a desire, just like our bodies need water and food, and our bodies are made at a point where we, we hunger and thirst after things because our body requires it. Spiritually speaking, we should have the same kind of hunger and thirst for God's righteousness, not our own. And today we're going to talk about mercy. This is where we're going to pick it up discussion uh, found in Matthew 5, verse 7, where it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And that's what God's called us to. And so we're going to open the scripture again today, the gospel opened again today, and we're going to allow ourselves to be examined by what God's word says and what this mercy looks like as followers of Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy 1, verse 15 through 17, it says, It's a trustworthy statement. It's deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom Paul says, I am the foremost of all. And yet for this reason, I said, I found mercy in order that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory and praise forever and ever. Amen. 
So here was Paul saying, Paul basically was a Pharisee of Pharisee. He was somebody who, who thought he was being very religious and very uh, devout to his beliefs, but yet he was criticizing the church and he was attacking the church and, and having people killed and even in prison because of the belief. And he looked at himself as being the sinner, the foremost of sinners, of all sinners. But he says, and yet for this reason, I found mercy. God took somebody who was the most vile and most feared person, one of the most fearful people that were walking amongst the Christians at that time, and he wanted to show his mercy to this individual, the person that everybody else was avoiding, running from, hiding from, and God miraculously saved him and showed him mercy. And Paul says God did that in order that he might show to everyone else that God's mercy is for everyone, no matter who you are, where you're at, or where you're going. And we should understand, no matter who we are, in, in essence, we can find somebody who's worse than we are. We can find somebody who's really a vile, hateful, evil person. And in comparison, we can kind of you know, justify ourselves to some degree. But in order for us to really to, to walk in mercy and, and to live out the fullness of that mercy in a way that honors God, we can only see ourselves compared to Jesus Christ. In Romans 3.23, it says, for all, we've all sinned. Nobody would disagree with that. Nobody would argue that point. But then it goes, we all have fallen short of the glory of God. You see, in all of our justifications and all in our self-righteous attitudes, here's the reality of everything. We can justify ourselves in comparison to many other people, but God has one standard only, and that's Jesus Christ. We all have fallen short of the glory of God, which is Jesus Christ himself. And so we have all been shown mercy, and we should be merciful people. Listen to Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. He says, I urge you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, I urge you, I'm going to encourage you to move forward. He said, I want you to understand that by the mercies that God has given to you, again, God's mercies are new every morning. It's just not for our salvation, but God in his grace and mercy, he gives it to us every day so we can even try to live a life that he's called us to. And he says, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, your fullness of who you are, mind, mind body, soul, and spirit, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is our spiritual service of worship. And then he goes on and says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So again, even us trying to understand God's will and to discover God's will, he says, by the mercies of God, we need to present ourselves, whole person, mind, body, soul, and spirit, as a spiritual service of worship to God. We are to give ourselves as a sacrifice to God by his mercies so that we may discover God's perfect will for our lives and we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Uh, and that's what God has called us to. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we have this ministry... As we received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced or we have disowned the things that are hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So again, what's Paul saying here? We have this ministry God's called us to, and as we have received mercy... We shouldn't lose heart because we live in a world full of conflict, full of hatred, full of uh, resentment and anger and bitterness. 
And God says, we need to walk with a ministry of mercy, with a heart of mercy. And we have to renounce the things that are hidden. And, and we have to realize that God reveals those things in our lives that are hidden sometimes. And we need to renounce them because we're a new creation in Christ. Renouncing means to disown, to take off, to put aside because it's not who we are anymore. And we need to walk in the manifestation of truth. And we should bring ourselves and compare ourselves to what God's call us to be uh, before God, but before men. So again, it's all based upon us walking with the attitude of receiving mercy from God and then giving mercy back to others. Let's go to the Old Testament prophet Micah. Micah 6 verse 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you and I, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Again, here's one of these verses that we need to kind of reverse engineer to understand and how this all works without us trying to work harder and do more to make it work out. He says here, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Again, we talked about humility early at the very beginning. But if we are not going to walk humbly with God, then most likely we're not going to have a love for mercy and show mercy to others. And we're not going to do the justice that God requires for us to do. Now, we can do things that we seek justice in the world but if people aren't transformed, brought into a relationship with Christ, the justice they receive is not going to be, it's only going to be a temporary thing. And so again, we should do justice. We should love mercy. But we again, we need the foundation of who we are and how this proceeds from here is for us to walk in humbleness. And now we, with our humble hearts, now we can love mercy because it's what God gives to us. And then we can do, do the true justice that God's called us to do. Turn with me now with you to James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. He says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But he says, If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. You see, most of even sometimes religious things we do is out of jealousy. Sometimes it's out of selfish ambition to get recognition in our lives. He says we need to get rid of those things, get rid of the jealousy, get rid of the selfish ambition that's in our hearts because we lie against the truth. We live a life of deception and hypocrisy. Then in verse 15, he says, the wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is the earthly. It's natural and it's demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But he says in verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable, then gentle, then reasonable. And then he says it's full of mercy and good fruits. Full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Again, we see all these things we've been talking about over the last several weeks kind of come together in some scriptural references we have here. But we see this wisdom that comes from above is first peaceful, it's gentle, it's reasonable. And it's full of mercy, and it brings forth good fruits. So I guess the way we can say this is if, we, if we've seen fruit in our lives, it's because we're walking in mercy, we're extending mercy to people around us because God has given us that kind of mercy. Let's move on to Matthew 18, verse 32 through 35. It says, Then summoning him, his Lord, he said to him, and this is about a man who uh, had come before the king, he owed a great deal of money to the king, could never repay it. The king forgave him of this. And this man went out and found somebody who owed him just a day's wage of some kind. It's really a small amount. 
and had him thrown in prison because he couldn't pay it at the time. And so the king summons him back into his relation, into the court with him. He says, then summoning him as Lord, he said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you entreated me to do so. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. And then he says in verse 35, listen carefully. So shall my heavenly father also do to you, if each one of you does not forgive his brother from the heart. Again, one of the greatest expressions of our ability to, to show we're grateful for the mercy God's given to us. Because in that mercy, he's shown us great forgiveness. And he does it day by day with us. As his mercies are new every morning, his forgiveness is new every day. And he says here in talking to the reference of this, our expression of mercy that we reverentially just kind of appreciate what God's done for us is our ability to forgive people from the heart. No matter what they've done or how many times they've done it, it doesn't mean that we think that what they've done is right or okay. Uh, it doesn't mean we have to trust, but it means we have to forgive. And the way we forgive people who have truly harmed us is to realize and to walk in the mercy that God has given to us that we did not deserve. And that's what he's called us to. How are you in forgiving other people? Again, we can justify it sometimes by the, by the evil that's done or the hurt it's brought and the loss that we've received. But the thing is, God has shown us mercy and there's something greater waiting for us in the kingdom of God when he comes to return to take us home with him. And we need to walk with a heart of mercy and compassion and gentleness and mercy as he has given it to us. James chapter 2, verse 11 through 13 says this, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So you should speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty, the law of grace, the law of love. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Let me read that again. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I would encourage you maybe even write that down, maybe put it on your refrigerator or your mirror, or whatever, just to remind yourselves that when we hold back mercy and forgiveness, again, even as a, as a saved individual, the, how, the, the judgment begins with the household of God. There's still an answering we have to give to what God has given to us and how we've given to other people. We cannot lose our salvation, and I'm not sure what all that looks like or how that all plays out, but there is a time where we will have to stand before God and give an account, give a, you know, and there's not going to be no arguing, there's not going to be no debating here. Our lives will be open, laid bare to, to what God sees and what he knows. And he says here that judgment, he says, will show no mercy to the one who has shown no mercy to other people. He said mercy will gives victory or triumphs over judgment. So in all of this talk about mercy, let me just close out here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. He says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him, the excellencies of Christ, the excellencies of God the Father, who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. That's mercy. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. 
you had no had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The question, folks, today is what are we doing with it? How do we live our lives as people who have been given this great mercy and how his mercies are new every day? How are we living that out before the people that we live around today in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our churches? We'll stand before God someday and give an answer. But most likely, too, we need to answer the question, Am I, have I become lukewarm? Have I become a person who's, who's forgotten about the mercy of God in my life? And allow my heart to become casual and ap- apathetic and, and, and complacent because I've lost sight of the great mercy I've been shown by the Father. And that's the gospel.